Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Everyone has a story. That is the title of a five-week series that we start today. Everyone has a story. It's a simple statement, and it's something that we believe here at Cape Cod Church. And on the surface, it may be simple, but underneath, it answers a question that all of us ask at one point or another, and everyone has been asking through history and through the generations, which is this. Does this life matter? Is there more to life than just what I'm living? Is this more than just a series of random events? Does this life, does my life matter? And at Cape Cod Church, we believe the answer is yes. That everybody has a story. And not only does your story matter, not only is it valuable, but in fact, all of our stories are connected across time and history into one larger story orchestrated by one author weaving them together, driving them towards one great end. And the spark notes of the story is this. There is a creator God who wants to give you and I a full life as a gift. And as we look through history and we look at all of these individual stories, yours and mine and all those stretching back to ancient times, what we see is this, that there are already hints of that great story each of us have the opportunity to experience that each of us can experience in this lifetime a taste, a foreshadowing of that full life he has promised as a gift. In fact, many of us have already encountered it and that the end of this story is very, very good. And as we continue into this series this year, we are going to be exploring that great story. Last year, we introduced it with the story project, which many of you may remember. And if you do, you know that you are in for a treat. And we looked at what does it look like to experience a full life for me, for myself. This year, we're going to take another look at the story. And this time, we're going to explore what does that mean for us as a community and as a church? In light of this great story, what does that mean for us together? And as we do each week, we're going to explore two personal stories, episodes along the way. One from ancient times, a personal story recorded for us in scripture, and one from today, a personal story from our community, an example of God at work here and now, alive with us. If you were here last year, you know that you are in for a treat. And if you are new to Cape Cod Church, as we do season two of this story project, I'm just going to tell you, This may be your favorite five weeks out of the year. We love celebrating stories of what God is doing right here in our midst, and we believe that everybody has a story worth telling and worth celebrating. So are you guys ready for the good stuff? Then it is my pleasure and privilege to introduce to you the story of my dear friend, Lexi. My name is Alexis Bellier, and I live in Dennisport. We moved around a lot growing up because of family issues. So I actually lived in West Roxbury in Boston, and I pretended to live in Needham 
to go to a better school and it was it was definitely difficult to to make friends, um, having to live a lie, and that was a struggle. Um, I definitely struggled with my mental health pretty much my entire childhood. I was raised by a pagan mother who, um, she introduced me to crystals and tarot cards and um, the occult at a young age. So when I was 16, I finally was hospitalized for um, suicidal depression. And after that, I got pretty heavily into the new age occult stuff just to um, try to get my mental health back. I always struggled. Even as like an 11-year-old child, I feel like it was the first time I experienced having suicidal thoughts like that. And I started journaling because of that, and I actually reached out to God. That was the first time I ever talked to him when I was 11, and I wrote in my journal. I remember telling him that I didn't have any friends, and I wanted friends. And, and even, even now, I still, right before I went to church, I still had the same prayers, and I always wanted that, like a good group of friends who were actually good people and it was very hard to find so eventually my mental health struggles never went away no matter what I did I tried therapy I tried literally everything and it just never got better I ended up moving to Portland Oregon with someone who I met um, in Mashpee when I was out there it was probably the darkest I'd ever been just being isolated from my family um, we were alcoholics, we drank pretty much every night, and the guy I was dating, he was abusive, and I just, when I was out there, I, I really felt like there was no God. And that was the darkest I'd ever been, and I was like, I know now that darkness exists because I was there, and, and I remember coming back, and I was like, hell is real, <laughs> and it's not warm, it's, it's cold, and I got really into the Wicca after that because that's where I thought I would find peace and happiness and um, things got worse. Probably the first week of the pandemic um, or the first two weeks during that initial quarantine time when I was having the suicidal thoughts and I felt broken I didn't know where to go or who to talk to. What I was doing wasn't working so I was watching this video of this ex-Satanist who was talking about like the occult and all the stuff that I had been doing and it turned out that he suggested doing the 30 days of Jesus challenge and I was like I guess I'll try I've tried everything else might as well just try talking to him and see what happens because I it can't hurt at this point I told him that I was broken and I heard that he could fix hearts and and I just I surrendered and I didn't think things would change, but slowly, actually no, it wasn't even slowly, it was pretty quickly, um, things were revealed to me. I realized that there's only one Holy Spirit, so the rest of them aren't holy. And if that's the case, then the gods I were, was worshiping, they weren't holy. And when I had that realization, um, I had to get down on my knees and I that's when I realized how big he was. It's still a struggle because I had been so accustomed to drinking and partying and I didn't know how to talk to people without alcohol for the first time so that was definitely a struggle to um, 
felt like I belonged because I never really felt like I did. And I always never really felt like I had a family. Or, well, I had a family, but I never really felt like I had a good group of friends. So in the beginning, um, I definitely struggled to keep going, but I stuck it out. And certain people from the group would come sit with me at church, and that made me feel really nice. And eventually, I started going to every group and just wanting to feel like I was a part of something and and getting more comfortable with everyone and now like we're going swimming with sharks tomorrow so yeah do you want to explain a little bit more about that oh yeah <laughs> we went skydiving um last month and now we're going swimming with sharks and yeah we do all these crazy stuff I never thought I would have friends like this who would want to do fun stuff and it's more of a family though because we all got so close and we um, we have to talk about really intimate stuff with each other and that's I feel rare with people our age we really don't have those deep conversations that we have during small group and it's been so nice having somewhere to go to every week and having something to look forward to so I've in the best place I've ever been it was definitely a joint group effort to get me to this place, but um, I know Jesus definitely played a big part of it. And I'm just so grateful for everything he's done for me. And like, I never thought I could conquer fear in, in ways like this. Like even just making this video is, is conquering certain fears for me. So walking with Jesus changed my life. And, every single way I can imagine, like everything is better and it's hard for someone who doesn't know him to understand that because I didn't know it until I had him and the only way you can get there is to talk to him. If I could show myself when I first started and like oh this is where you'll be in a year, like I would have never known and I wish I could, I could have told myself what could have happened if I just gave him a chance. Would you do me a favor? I'm so grateful, Lexi. Thank you. that for the first time yesterday and I thought how do you preach after that right. so um, Lexi got baptized last year and went on a missions trip this year and in January is heading off to begin training to do missions work in Mexico <laughs> Here's what we've said. As a church, we want to help people discover a full life with God. That's what we do. We want to help people discover this full life with God. Because that's what Jesus did. 
I mean, that's what he said. He said, in John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life. That you, and you, and you, and me, that we might have life. And life to the full. Who wouldn't want that? Or Jesus said in John 6, I'm the bread of life. If you have me, you will never hunger again. What could be hard about that? But it is. I thought that's where we would start today in this series. Why is Jesus so hard to come to? What makes this so challenging? There's a story that's a good illustration of why I think coming to Jesus and finding that full life can seem like such a difficult journey. It's a story from ancient times, from the times of kings and kingdoms and armies and warriors. And The king of Aram was a man named Ben-Hadad, but the story's not actually about him. And he was going to battle against the Israelites who were under siege in the city of Samaria, but the story's not really about them. The armies had circled the city, and the walled city was, was safe enough, but nothing could get in or out. The weapon of the day was powerful. It was called starvation. Starve them out. And they did until the situation in the city was dire. But this story doesn't actually take place in the city or with the armies outside. It, it takes place in this, in this space in between. Just outside the city walls were four men. They had a, a sickness, a disease, a skin condition that... The Bible refers to as leprosy in modern day. I think we call it Hansen's disease. And in that moment, and really up until recent years, it was considered terribly contagious. And so if you had it, you were an outcast. And so on the outside of the city are these four men dying of leprosy, but they'll never get to that because they'll die of starvation sooner. If the situation in the city was bad, the situation just outside between the city and the soldiers, well, it was deadly. And it tells us what happens in that place between these four men, and it tells us about this, this miracle. I want to read it to you because I think it's, it's a good illustration of what makes Jesus so hard to believe in. In 2 Kings chapter 7, and verse 3, it says, Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. And 
They have this conversation. You, you think, if you would, what it would be like to be them. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So this was their plan. <laughs> so we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. And if they let us live so much, the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. That's an awesome plan. How desperate do you have to be to come up with that plan? And how desperate do you have to be to agree to that plan? And yet that's what they came up with. I think that's a, a, a good picture of what it looks like to come Jesus, we come to the end of ourselves. That's what the story looks like. We, 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 can't, we can't come to Jesus until we come to the end of ourselves. He can't be our Savior until we stop being our Savior. That doesn't mean that everyone's story looks exactly alike, but it does mean this, that in every story of someone coming to Jesus, they have this in common. Somewhere, somehow, in some corner of their life, in some meaningful place, they ran out of answers. They realized, I can't do this. I can't fix it. I don't have the answer for it. They came to the end of themselves. That doesn't mean everyone's end looks exactly the same. But there's this moment of recognition that I can't be my own savior. And in that place, we, we're ready to begin to make him Allow him, surrender, I love that word, Lexi, our lives to him to be our Savior. Watch what happens next. In verse 5, it says, So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But in the middle of the night, God had done something, and it wasn't what they expected. It says, But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and a galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. And they thought to themselves, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. Oh, who knew? Here's what they did, verse 8. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. And then they started investing. It says, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. <laughs> what would you have done? I might have done the same. Man, they, this, is, this is too good to be true. I mean, 
They didn't come expecting that. In fact, here's what occurs to me. If sitting at the edge of the city wall, one of them had said, hey, let's go out there. I'll bet when we get there, God has made them all disappear in the middle of the night and we'll be able to drink and eat anything we want and we'll be able to save up a bunch of the gold for ourselves. Get out of here. Nobody's buying that. Nobody's even trying to sell that because it's too good to be true. That's a little bit like the story of coming to Jesus. It's, it's a grace that's almost, it's almost too good to be true. It's, it's so good, it's, it's unbelievable. Nobody, nobody comes expecting that. We expect you get what you earn. You, you get what you deserve. It's like when I go to a restaurant... And you, you look at the menu. Like, rule number one, never go to a restaurant that doesn't print the prices on the menu. Can we all agree on that? I mean, if you don't agree, if you don't agree, I'd like to go to dinner with you when you're buying. <laughs> and that's why I never order anything that has the letters next to the price, M-K-T. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Market price. Market price ain't... Has market price ever been lower? No. No. It's not lower. It's always higher. It's always... Why don't they just say it's $10 more than you can afford? That's what it is right there. (laughs) And that's why when I see it, we have a... One of my daughters, who shall remain unnamed... um, I have three, so you'll have to, you'll have to guess. Um, always loved to order. We used to call her when she was in high school. We used to call her market price because if we went to a restaurant, she would always say, I think I'd like this. No, 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 that's market price. You can't, can't have that. We can't afford that. How much is it? I don't know, but you can't afford it. That's why it says market price, right? It's, it's, it's too much. Imagine if MKT meant free. MKT is free? would believe that you see this is the thing about grace that that god sent his son jesus christ into the world to give us life as a gift as a gift that you couldn't earn, that you couldn't buy, that you didn't deserve as a gift. But once we come to the end of ourselves and we make our way to him, we discover something in him that was better than we ever expected. So what do you do with that? Well, Here's what it says they did. Verse 9. Finally, <laughs> they've eaten everything they can eat. They've stuffed their pockets, buried holes in the ground. It says, finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is the day of, of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. 
If we wait until morning, some calamity will, will certainly fall upon us. Come on. Let's go back and tell the people at the palace. <laughs> this reminds me of what Jesus said in this one-verse parable in Luke 15. When he said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Won't he go to look for the one? What does it mean to be for the one. A year ago when we started all this, we, we just reconfirmed our 30-year commitment as a church. And the very first of those five commitments was this. We are a church who is for the one who's not here yet. It comes right from this verse. Won't he go and search for the one. You could have taken it from 2 Kings 7, 9. This is not right that we should have all of this good news and not share it. So I thought, before we finish today, I would take a minute to try and answer a question I get asked from time to time. What does it mean to be a church for the one? Here's what it means. It means we serve our neighbors. We resist the urge to make enemies out of our neighbors. It's, it's interesting that these, these four guys, they go back to the city and they say, hey, hey, you know, they're on the outside of the wall. Hey, hey, good news. They're gone. And they didn't let them in. <laughs> Would you have asked the second time Oh, man. I think I might have gone back for seconds. But the outsiders didn't treat the insiders like outsiders. They knew they had a gift, and they wanted to share that gift with their neighbors. We resist the temptation to make enemies of our neighbors. Listen, we live in what feels like the most divided times ever. And partisans want to use you as a pawn, and me, and us. They want to say, this is the way to win. But it's not what Jesus thought. 
Jesus thought something different, and it looked like sacrifice. And it looked like serving their neighbors. Even when their neighbors weren't especially happy about it. But that's not the only piece. There's, a, there's another piece here, and it has to do with, with worship. We, we create this welcome place in worship. I was talking to somebody just, just this morning who, who was asking me a question. He said, Pastor, have you ever heard of this? And he said, I, a friend of mine lives in another state, and he said, I was going to go to church and visit with him. But he told me I wasn't allowed to visit because I haven't been baptized yet. I'm like, that's next level crazy. I mean, I've heard of a lot, but I haven't heard of that. We make space in this place, in worship, for friends and neighbors. In other words, we want people who aren't there yet to be here. We want people who aren't there yet, who are still questioning, still wrestling, still unsure, Maybe a little bit cynical, a little bit critical. We want people who aren't there yet. We want them to be here. Because we think that God can do something here to help them get there. And that's why we create a place for them worship and it's why we have a patient trust in the work of God's spirit that that, that God is at work in his own time in his own way bringing people to himself. And as a church, we just decided that we're going to patiently trust in the work of the Spirit. We're going to plant a seed, we're going to water it, and we're going to walk alongside people, and we're going to wait while they wrestle through the story and they come to grips with who Jesus is and how he wants them to live, and what a full life can look like. You see, there are lots of ways churches can posture themselves towards people who aren't there yet. We can shun them. Church is good at shunning. We can get angry with them. Angry moralizing is the church's forte. We gotta 
We got a book and verses. Or we can patiently wait and walk with people through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know what that looks like? It looks like we planted a garden this year. We being the royal we. Actually, we is my wife. We, we've had a garden in the backyard. for. We had a big one. Like She had me make a big one with little road ties and bring in soil. And that proved to be more work than any of us wanted. And so we gave up on that one. And we created a smaller one that was sort of an herb garden and tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that. And, and then somewhere along the line, we decided that was too much work. And we gave up on that. And I think the dog took it over, actually. It didn't, it didn't feel safe after that, to be honest with you. So somewhere this spring, Tammy's you know, in her sort of recovery zone, and she decides, I come home, and, and we've, got this, we've got this flower bed in the front of our house. So you walk up to our front door, and there's a, 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 a sort of a flower bed, and it's got some flowers, and it's got some flowering bushes and some ornamental grasses. It's just pretty. You don't have to do much to it. It just comes up every year and looks pretty. And she's right in the middle of it planting stuff. I'm like, what are you planting? She goes, tomatoes. <laughs> like, and, and at first I was like, ah, no. Like, tomato plant's going to gr- greet our guests? Like, tomato plant? Like a, like a big tomato. And she said, yep, big tomato. And I've learned not to argue with Tammy because I never win, so we have tomato plants. And then I watched every day. She would, every morning, she would come out and she would, uh, she would water that one. She would bring a bucket of water and just pour water on that thing every day, every day. And it started growing, growing. It got so big, we had to stake it. Now it's bigger than everything else there. And you walk up to the front yard, it's a nice tomato plant you got there. <laughs> and I got some of those little little yellow flowers and they turned into you know little baby tomatoes and then they started growing and got a green one and well the first day I came home and it was a red there was a big red tomato I thought that's beautiful I don't know why more people don't do this that's brilliant (laughs) right I don't know, somewhere along the way, we got the idea the church is supposed to be full of flowers. Just, just ornamental grasses, just people look pretty. That ain't the church, folks. Church is supposed to bring fruit. Is it harder? Yep. You got to water it every day. Messy. You're waiting, 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 waiting. But the fruit, fruit changed lives. People coming, discovering the fullness of life in Jesus. Goodness. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? There's a fourth thing we do, and I'll, I'll finish with this, and that is that we, 
we, we share the whole, whole story of Jesus, and we always finish with hope. You see, the story of Jesus finishes on a hopeful note. It was a theme song. It wouldn't be Jaws. Dun, 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 you know. It finishes with hope. It, I mean, that's where Jesus finished, right? He, he, he said, listen, he says, I, I've come to give you life and life to the full. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came, I came to save the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. This is what I came to do and to be. You know, it's why... It's why we finish most every Sunday, and it's why I'm going to do the same in just a moment. We finish most every Sunday by inviting people to say yes to Jesus Christ. And somebody asked me a few weeks ago, they said, well, why do you do that? Oh, that was an easy question. Thank you for asking. Because I never know, I never know who's sitting out there, who's walked through a journey, and this Sunday, this moment, this place, God's brought them right to the point, and they're ready to say yes to him. The most unkind thing we could do would be to lay out a big meal and then not invite anybody to eat it. And so we always finish with the hopefulness of the gospel, that no matter who you are or where you've gone or how long you've been gone, you're never beyond the reach of his grace. Never. And that's why we always tell the story of Jesus and finish with hope. And that's what it looks like to be a church that's for the one who's not here yet. So I want to finish the same way. Because maybe you've been walking a journey in ups and downs and twists and turns and you've been cynical and questioning and unsure and not even not even sure if you believed in Jesus Christ never mind where to fit him in your life but he's brought you to a place here this morning and he's speaking to your heart and he's inviting you to say yes to him if that's you I can't think of a better way than to invite you to do just what Lexi talked about. Just what Jesus was inviting us to do, and that is to say, yes. To come to the end of ourselves, to encounter a grace that's better than we ever imagined, and say yes to Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? I don't know your story. I don't know how long you've been wrestling, asking questions. I do know this. I do know that if he's, if he's calling you, if you sense that God's spirit is at work in your spirit, Oh, it doesn't mean you've turned over all the right leaves and answered all the questions. It just means 
that you've come in some form or fashion to the end of yourself. You're ready to say yes to Jesus Christ. If that's you, then in the quiet of the moment, I just want to invite you to quietly pray. Prayer like this. Dear Jesus, you know everything about me. And I'm here today to declare I'm not my own savior. I can't do it on my own. I need you. Jesus Christ, I believe you were God in the flesh who went to a cross and died for me and then rose again. So I could have the gift of grace. I say yes. I say yes to you once and for all. Help me now to live my life fully for you. In Jesus' name I pray.